Hello, language lovers. Shannon Kennedy here with the Language Hacking Podcast, where we meet everyday language learners from around the world and discover smarter, faster ways to learn a language. In this episode, I am very excited to be talking with Caitlin Sakasis. Caitlin is a native English speaker who also speaks Japanese, Korean, and Spanish to different levels. She's a writer, fitness trainer, content creator for Fluent in Three Months, and a busy mom who is passing along her enthusiasm for language and the languages themselves to her kids. Benny and I talk with Caitlin about how meditation can improve your language learning, how binge-watching Netflix can be super helpful for language learning, and how to pair language with your other routines. I've worked alongside Caitlin for a few years now, and it was great to have this in-depth discussion with her about how she learns languages. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone. Today... The everyday story that we're going to be sharing is from Caitlin. So, Caitlin, um, what can you tell us about yourself before we dive into your story? Yeah, so hey guys, um, I am Caitlin Sukasis, and I am one of the content creators at Fluent in Three Months. So, love working with you guys. And I took the Fluent in Three Months Challenge for Japanese. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What other languages do you speak? Uh, I speak Korean and Spanish. Basic, but I speak them. Very cool. And what language did you decide to do for your very first challenge? Japanese. What was your level in that language when you started? So <laughs> um, I should have been much better than I was, but um, I was probably around almost an A2 level when I started, um, which is in Japanese, they have um, a test, the Japanese language proficiency test, and I was about at the N4 level. So it's like upper beginner. Um, I had taken it for three years in college and had also done Rosetta Stone in high school for Japanese, but um, my studying was pretty inconsistent. So um, I should have been better than I was. <laughs> I, th- I think that's something that we all feel when it comes to getting started in the language. And I I uh, remember from seeing the video that you uploaded that um, it definitely shows the amount of experience that you had before you went into it, that even if your level was at a particular stage, I, I think I reached somewhere around the A2 area when I was doing Japanese myself, and it was way less smooth than your A2 Japanese. So I think your language learning experience in general has given you a little bit of a leg up that you, you may not um, have been taking into account when you're, you're saying, oh, you know, uh, going hard on yourself and thinking that you should have done better and you should have been further along. Um, it's always important to, to remember that. But um, I think you were starting from an excellent point, which is, uh, which is great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I definitely did have the advantage of having always been interested in Japanese culture. Um, I had a pen pal growing up so I was always exposed to the language. So I think that that more than anything has helped me to speak more smoothly because I know the cadence of the language very well. I've been listening to it my whole life. Whereas I, I'm learning Spanish now. And even though most people have heard that a lot, I live in an area where there's not a lot of Hispanic people, but my father-in-law is Hispanic. So I wanted to um, learn Spanish to speak with him in Spanish. And um, it's a lot harder for me to pick that up now because I don't 
know the cadence as well. So it definitely did give me that leg up going into the challenge with Japanese. I want to take it back just like one second to something that you said a little bit earlier on. You said that you were an A2 level or JLPT4. And just for someone who's listening in and might not know exactly what that terminology means or where that level is at, could you maybe share some of the things that you might have been able to say in Japanese at that point? Yeah, so um, at that point, I could introduce myself. I could have a basic conversation. I knew how to write uh, the kana, which is the basic script in Japanese, and some kanji, which are the Chinese characters. Um, and yeah, pretty pretty basic conversations. How how the, is the weather? How are you doing? Um, maybe about three minutes of conversation is about average, but my listening is really where I struggled. So I could say more than I could actually understand at that point. And you were learning Japanese as part of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, which is a 90-day challenge that helps language learners get to a 15-minute conversation in their new language. So you were learning Japanese intensively as a part of that. It is a challenge, but what about some of the moments that you had that you most enjoyed when taking part in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge? Oh, there are a lot of moments I really enjoyed. Um, I think probably my study group, we were very small, but I really connected with a couple of the people who were learning Japanese, um, specifically one of the other challengers, Rodlin, who I interviewed for Fluent in Three Months. And she was so motivational um, and really would help me with resources and points that I hadn't thought about. And she was using a lot of the same resources that I was, um, like the Genki textbooks to learn the basics of grammar. So um, having those chats with her was really motivating and I enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed the uh, assignments and challenges, the mini challenges that we had, because that was really enlightening because I learned a lot of my weak points and that's really where I saw the most growth. So whenever we'd have a mini challenge right before our um, videos that we would have to film at 30, 60 and 90 days, um, it was always very helpful to prepare me for that because it would show me a whole bunch of things that I realized I didn't know. Like we did um, a tutorial video and I did get ready with me video um, doing a makeup application. And I learned that I didn't know how to say things like, eyelids and blend. So I, I, I struggled to describe how to apply the makeup, but, but that's something that I love. So later I went back and I learned how to say those phrases. And that was, that was really fun. I was glad that I, I did that. And I, I had a chance to see that video as well, the, um, the makeup video. And I, I really think that was a clever way of using your Japanese. And Whenever I try to use my languages, I use it with things I'm passionate about. And anyone listening to this, if you have the chance to check it out, you'll see how she was doing it. And you even have um, uh, you have this like how to make makeup video style that you've applied while you're doing Japanese. Like you'll take the thing to the camera and you'll you'll <laughs> hold it with your hand like this. And um, that's uh, that's always it's it's always good when you're trying to mimic that in the target culture as well, as it were, that you're trying to um, uh, emulate a kind of Japanese makeup tutorial and bring it back to your, your other passions in, in life. And uh, were you able to apply it outside of uh, makeup? Were you ever able to apply your Japanese to other aspects of your day-to-day -day life and your hobbies and such? So, yes. So one thing that I do a lot every day is I talk with my boys 
um, specifically my my youngest. He's eight months, so I'm very determined to teach him Japanese. I kind of um, missed the easy mark of teaching my oldest. He's four now, so he he doesn't always like me speaking in a language he doesn't understand. But um, I I try to um, play with them, and I teach Star Wars phrases in Japanese, and um, I. I've been learning like different things that he likes, like trains and things like that. So I've been, as far as like mommyhood, I've been incorporating that. And then I also, when I meet with my language exchange partner, um, I, I'm a personal trainer as well. So I have been talking about fitness and learning um, words for equipment in, you know, in a gym with her. So that's been really fun and interesting that I've been implementing my Japanese and expanding it into my passions. So. As a part of the challenge, one of the things that you need to do is prepare for your 15-minute conversation at the end of the 90 days and record a 90-day video where you're conversing with someone in the language that you're learning. So I'm curious what you did to prepare for that, the kinds of things that you talked about, and how you incorporated some of these aspects of how you were learning the language for your kind of day-to-day life in that 90-day video. So how I was preparing for the 90-day video as a whole... Um, so I, I had the fortune of already having a language exchange partner who I've met for a long time now. Um, I met her while I was in college. She actually wanted an English tutor at the time. So I was teaching her English and using Japanese to supplement my teaching. And then we switched to a language exchange format. So that's been really beneficial for me. The benefit of that was since I meet with her every Saturday morning, um, we already knew each other and we're comfortable with each other and we talk about a lot of different things and what's going on in our lives. So to prepare for that was really just meeting her every week and talking about the things going on. So prior to it, I knew that um, she was going on vacation. I knew that her boys were on summer break, um, things like that. She knew things that were going on with me and asking me about my son. and, And so having that, experience with her really helped. And I think that that's um, a benefit if you're doing the challenge to have one language exchange partner or one language tutor. If you can find someone you really connect with and stick with them, it does make it easier as you continue to talk with them because you do build that that experience with each other, that that comfortable level, and you know kind of what the other person can and cannot say or can and can not understand too. So sometimes she'll speak in more basic Japanese when she knows it's an area that I don't understand as well. And I do the same for English with her. So um, having that understanding with, with my partner was very beneficial going into it. And as far as studying leading up to it, I know I, I talked about um, this with you, Shannon, during the challenge, because we took it together. But um, watching Terrace House, you know, you suggested that to me. And then I became totally addicted to it. <laughs> and just like binge watched a whole bunch of seasons. And um, that was incredibly helpful for picking up more natural Japanese and slang and um, everything. Everything is sugoi and yabai, which... <laughs> Both essentially mean the same thing of wow. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I guess, like, uh, you were very lucky as you were starting the challenge that you had this relationship already set up with somebody who you knew you could learn from. But, uh, like, how did you get that initially, like, before this challenge? Because I know a lot of people listening 
they um, they struggle with just getting that initial good connection with a teacher or just finding a good tutor or finding a good language exchange partner. So like, how, how did that work for you at the start? Definitely. So I'm going to put a little plug here because I actually wrote an article about how I found my language exchange partner on Fluent in three months. <laughs> um, so you can look that up if you're curious, you guys. Um, but I took Japanese at my local college and I live in an area where there is only 1% Asian population. That's all Asian, not even just Japanese. So it's very small. However, my, my college has the Japanese Saturday school. So it is like the hub of every Japanese person in the area coming with their children to teach them what they would be learning in Japan. We do have a, a small community that comes here from Japan um, usually temporarily, like one or two years. So they go to the Saturday school so their kids can keep up with the curriculum in Japan. And um, my Japanese teacher in, in Japanese class during school, um, she met Hisuko, that's my language exchange partner, and she wanted um, an English tutor, someone to help her to learn English better because she actually lives here permanently and she wanted to get more comfortable speaking with other moms at her boys' schools and um, not being misunderstood when she goes to Starbucks and having her order wrong every time. <laughs> um, so she, uh, my, my teacher asked the class if anyone would be willing to do that and I was one of the people who volunteered and she thought I was a good fit um, with Hisako. So I got paired up with her and I was definitely very fortunate because um, Hisako and I could not be a better fit for each other. We clicked right off the bat. Um, we are very good friends. I think I think we've been meeting for about um, five years now. So it was definitely a special lucky thing that happened, but it's definitely something that other people could find as well, whether online or in your community, even if you don't think that there's a population, there usually is some kind of small community where they meet and do things like that, like the Japanese Saturday School. So. Since this is a language hacking podcast, what would your three language hacking tips be for someone who's looking to do a similar sort of challenge and get kind of accelerate their language learning over a set period of time? I know you said that one would be to find that language partner or tutor that you kind of speak with throughout the challenge. Do you have two more for our listeners? Yeah. So one of the things that helped me was to work with my natural uh, rhythm in the day. Um, I naturally learn better first thing in the morning. So for me, I if I don't prioritize waking up and learning, then it gets put off until the end of the night when I'm too tired to remember it. And that's a real struggle for a lot of people, I think, is that they they just try to cram it in and then they try to get the challenge time in at the end of the night when they're not actually functioning. So um, for me, I set a routine and paired it with something else. So every morning I wake up, I get my coffee and I sit down and drink my coffee and I study. And I still do that. And that really helps me. It helps combine something that I love, drinking coffee with my study time. So I'm more likely to do it. Um, so that's that's my second language hack. Um, my third would be meditating beforehand, actually, because... Um, Usually right before I make my coffee, I meditate for five to 10 minutes. 
And that really helps clear my mind. I have two young boys and my mind is always on my to-do list and what I have to do. And, um, you know, I have articles to write for Fluent Three Months and I, I write for my own blog and other things too. And um, so if I don't clear my mind beforehand, I go into it stressed and my mind feels cluttered and it makes it hard for me to remember what I'm learning. So um, if I, I found that if I meditate before I study, then I go into it with a clear mind and my brain feels very refreshed, very calm, and I absorb it better. And then of course, um, the coffee uh, caffeine kick helps with that too. So, <laughs> uh, th- those are excellent tips, and I think the um, the main thing tying them together is the habit and the fact that you've gotten into this consistent routine that it it just feels more natural. But mm-hmm. I think uh, it's a, certainly something I've struggled with is uh, is getting into a good morning routine. So I'm curious, how did you uh, ease yourself into that? Because before you were getting, um, before you were ha- having daily meditation sessions and before you got into that association with um, studying with your coffee every morning, I'm sure it didn't just like click in one day. Like, well, how did you get to that point? So the challenge was actually a big part of that for me because um, I, I thought I had good study habits beforehand. I, I did study often, but I wasn't studying efficiently for memorizing and and really getting good practice in. So you're right. It wasn't a one day thing. And at the beginning of the challenge for those first 30 days, I really struggled with that habit um, and finding that time to fit it in. And it was very stressful to me to figure out how to prioritize it. But then I'll just, I, I just decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I, I think I read it from um, someone else learning Japanese on, on a blog and that they always went to the coffee shop every morning and studied their kanji. So I was like, okay, uh, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. So I started with just that. Um, That was like the only part of my morning routine. I would wake up. Coffee is essential for me. I cannot function in the morning without it. So I turn on the coffee pot. I turn on my, my app on my phone that I used to study. And then I sit down and I studied. And then I found that I had a better habit of doing that. And that really helped. And then um, as time went on, I started to work on my morning routine more and more. The meditation part of it came in uh, more recently. Um, I found that that's very calming for me. So I I started just doing that every morning just to start my day off right. And since I do that right before I study, I noticed that, hey, I'm, I'm remembering all this better now. So I definitely make that connection with it because sometimes even if I can't study first thing in the morning, and I study later in the day, I'll still meditate for like five minutes beforehand just to clear my brain, kind of shift into that, that right mental space. And it definitely helps my study time no matter when I study now. So um, that one was more of a recent thing, maybe um, last five months, maybe four or five months, but um, definitely very helpful for me. And you've been able to keep it up for these last five months. You're still meditating like pretty much every day and, and um, having some form of study along with the coffee, even all this time later? Yes. Yes. So wow. um, not as consistently because I did have a baby last year. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, no, no amount of routine was going to help my mom brain or my pregnancy brain <laughs> towards the end of my pregnancy. I, 
I lost all hope with that. I just, I just gave up. <laughs> I could not remember anything, but, um, yeah, once I got back into it and things settled down after, after having my littlest, um, that, that really shows the power of a good routine that even when you go through such a dramatic life change like that, and you still have that as part of your routine now, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, and, and that, I, I think that I, I really can't say enough about meditation. I, it's helped me so much. I, I deal with anxiety normally. Um, so it's, it's just something that helps me start my day off right period. And then I've just noticed that building it in with that routine for language learning has really helped. And as a mom, it makes me calmer throughout my day. So um, it was definitely important for me to get back to that routine. And since I already had established the, the one habit of studying with my coffee, it was easy to get back into building that morning routine once I was ready and life was a little calmer. So you can always get back to it. So you shared a little bit about what some of your struggles were during the challenge and building that routine, building that habit. Um, But as part of the challenge, you were a part of a greater community of learners. So I'm sure you saw some of the struggles that some of the other participants were going through over that 90 days. Could you share what some of those might have been and how you yourself took steps to overcome them so that you too didn't face those sorts of, well, you would have faced them, but so that you could overcome those challenges as well. Yeah, I think, um, well, I'm going to start with specifically Japanese because one of the things I noticed for Japanese specifically with the challenge is that if you didn't know kana already, which is um, kind of, it's the Japanese alphabet. It's very similar to our alphabet as far as um, how it's laid out. And if you didn't know that already going into the challenge, it made it a lot harder to jump into the materials because the best Japanese materials are written in kana. Even um, Genki, which is used in colleges and everything, Genki expects you to know kana after one week. Um, it, it, it literally goes from writing it in the English characters for chapter one, and then the very next chapter is only kana, and they start introducing kanji. So um, we had a couple challengers who struggled with that because they were using Genki and they were using other materials and right off the bat, they had to switch to Kana and you want to speak. And with Japanese, that's one of the things that is a struggle because it's hard to learn how to speak if you don't learn that Kana. So I would definitely think that that struggle, I already knew the Kana going into it. Um, but you can learn the Kana very quickly if you use the right resources. In fact, I I wrote some of the tips that I used um, to learn the kana very quickly. So when you're studying Japanese, especially if you're doing it for the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, learn the kana, prioritize it, try to learn it right off the bat, and then stick with it. It's hard, but it gets easier as it goes, and it will make the rest of the challenge so much easier. So you just have to push past that, that little intro with that. Outside of Japanese, just for language learning, I definitely think it's the the habit building and the prioritizing it in your day. And I don't I think a lot of people don't realize how much free time they actually have to fit it in. We waste a lot of time scrolling through social media throughout the day when we're tired and we don't even realize we're doing it. And then we also um, you know, we commute um and we'll listen to the radio when we could be listening to language learning podcasts. Um even in the shower, I 
I'll turn on uh, Japanese pod or Spanish pod 101 and play it while I'm in the shower. So, um, and there was an article on Fluent in Three Months that I just loved. I thought it was so funny um, about taking like 15 minutes during the workday and using the bathroom and studying uh, you know, in the bathroom. <laughs> so, uh, and that article is so funny, but it's so true because you, you, you know, everyone sits on their phone. I mean, all the time. So you could use that time more effectively. And I think if you don't think that you have to sit there for 30 solid minutes or an hour or whatever it is, and you just break it up throughout your day, you can hit your study goal. If you just fit it in wherever you can fit in when you're drinking your coffee during your commute, um, just making those tiny changes, uh, one that I did was I always watched Friends every night. And during those first 30 days before I switched to studying in the mornings, I stopped watching Friends um, as like my nighttime veg out show and started to study instead. And, you know, that that right there was 30 minutes. So that hit my goal. So um, that's one of the roadblocks I see a lot is just prioritizing and time management. And uh, other than the obviously beneficial parts of, of um, doing study, like the apps that you would use and so on, uh, is there a way you would have eased yourself out of veg out things like watching friends um, instead of going into a study mode? Is there something more relaxing or fun that's still going to help you, even if it's not necessarily as intensive as the other things you do? Because I know it's it's as when it comes to changing routines, it can be very hard to just be one hundred percent efficient. But so, is there a go between that, that you found to be useful? Yeah. So I, I mentioned it before, but Terrace House was a, a really good go between for me because it's enjoyable. It was fun to watch. So when I switched from Friends. I would just switch to Terrace House initially and I would watch it with subtitles on. So it was passive listening, but it would help get me in that mode and encourage me to want to understand those phrases. So even if I only watched, you know, half an episode and I was like, okay, I'm going to study now that put me more in the mood to study Japanese at that point, because I had watched it and listened to it and immersed myself in it instead of going from English to Japanese, which at the time, uh, I always used to say I would have to like turn a switch in my brain um, because people would be like, oh, say something in Japanese. And I would have to literally stop and like switch my brain to Japanese <laughs> because it's so different. And I found it hard to just go from, you know, talking and watching things in English to just jumping straight into Japanese. So um, watching a TV show or even listening to music, um, I really like One OK Rock and Utada Hikaru. So I would sometimes listen to their music and then start studying to kind of transition into that. Yeah, that's excellent. And I, I'd say it's definitely not a, a unique problem you face yourself with the say something in whatever language. It's, it's like if someone asks me a question in a language, I can kind of transition into it. But it's, it doesn't matter how many languages you, you learn. It's always a, a somewhat frustrating question. Say something in. Because like, how, what are you supposed to say? Usually, if, I'm, if I want to sound like a, a, a smart ass, I'll just say the word something. I'll go. And then just like, t- tell them to go away. I've already said something. I've translated that word to the language to them. So um, yeah, it's, it's always, it's, it is difficult to make that switch. But uh, by sprinkling it into your day, like you've been doing, it definitely uh, does um, make it that little bit easier. And I think it's a great tip to use streaming services and 
listening to radio that you can get from other countries as well. And um, like you found a, a Japanese specific show that Shannon had recommended to you. But it, like, you know, even looking at yourself, I'm sure you would have found uh, YouTube channels and um, especially European languages tend to have uh, very easily accessible um, dubbing on the likes of Netflix for a lot of their shows. Probably could have eventually found something like Friends in Japanese. It's less ideal because it's a dub rather than a, an original version. But I personally learned a ton of Spanish when I got into Los Simpson. And it was just it was a huge help because I had already seen those episodes in English. So I could focus more on the, the language side of things. Yeah, so I actually just did that with Spanish too, because that's one of my struggles with Spanish is that I haven't found native resources that I truly enjoy and want to sit and watch. And my sister-in-law is um, big into all the things like that. Um, and she speaks Spanish as well. So um, I asked her just a few days ago, oh, what's a Netflix show that is you know, not like super dramatic and things, you know, that I can watch in Spanish that's more lighthearted, maybe something closer to Friends or, you know, a, a dramedy or things like that. And she she recommended House of Flowers, um, Casa de Flores. And it was, it's incredible. So now I'm watching that to transition into my Spanish study habits and um it definitely is very helpful to find those things. And, and YouTube is a great source for that too. There's um, so many Japanese YouTube channels like um, Bilingual Chica. Chica. Um, She's a favorite of Japanese people to learn English. And I watch her to um, practice like intermediate Japanese. So um, that's really fun. And um, abroad in Japan is a great one too. So there's definitely some great YouTube channels to get into. Other than Terrace House, were there any other TV shows or anything that you really got into when you were studying Japanese? So I don't watch a ton of TV usually because I do have boys and they keep me busy or want to watch, you know, um, their TV shows. Um, But I did watch Sailor Moon, which has always been a favorite. And I started rewatching it in the um, sub so that way I could um, I, I could go back and kind of learn. Japanese with a show that I was already familiar with that I've seen many times before. Um, and also because the language is fairly simple, it's not necessarily realistic, but it's simple. So, um, and then I also love reading the news on NHK News Easy. Um, it's shortened news articles from NHK and it uses more simplified speech and less complex kanji. And then you can even um, play the audio with it while you're reading it. So it's, uh, it, it, that was a really helpful way to increase my vocab. And I, maybe I'm, you know, old for liking the news, but that's, yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't like reading the news in the morning. And that's one of the things I do. Like that's part of my study routine in the morning is to read the news in Japanese. And, um, that was really helpful for me. And I also found, um, some manga in Japanese when I went to New York and, um, my friend took me to one of the Japanese bookstores there and I found, um, Cardcaptor Sakura in Japanese. So I started reading that, which was, cool because there's lots of um, Japanese dialects in there, um, specifically Kansai-ben. So uh, that really expanded my Japanese as well. What were some of the things that you did to keep motivated during the 90-day challenge? 
Um, so I'm a very self-motivated person. And I typically, if I, if I say, oh, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it no matter what. Like I will run myself down trying to do whatever I say I'm going to do. Um, but even still, the challenge is very intensive. So studying and focusing on like textbooks type learning or just um, like Anki doing that, you know, spaced repetition over and over again for vocabulary um, can get tiring. So once I started introducing more shows that I liked, like Terrace House or reading manga and um, doing things that were more lighthearted, that that helped keep me more motivated because it keeps me from getting so bogged down in the technical side of Japanese and gave me enjoyment in it. So because that's the whole point of, of learning a language is you want to enjoy it. You want to speak it and have fun conversations and you want to enjoy the, you know, whatever it is you like in the language, whether it's TV shows or music or books. And without that, I think a lot of people tend to skip that because they're like, Oh, it's too hard. I can't, I can't read it. And yeah, reading card capture Sakura in Japanese is hard and I would read like one page at a time and translate what I didn't know. But as I read it, it got easier and more enjoyable. So if you stick with it, 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 you get to that point where you, you reach the goals that you want and that helps keep you motivated. So having those native resources that are enjoyable and finding whatever that is for you and your target language is very helpful. And as well as staying motivated, I'm sure you've had like moments during the challenge where um, your family kind of took over or you'd reached some kind of a, a part of it that was uh, quite demotivating and would have kind of gotten you off track. Like whenever that happens, other than maintaining motivation, how do you get motivation back when you're kind of knocked off uh, your momentum initially? Yeah, so that that happened, especially when I took it, I took the challenge again for um, the advanced challenge. Um Pretty much as soon as I signed up for the challenge, uh, I found out that my mom had breast cancer. So that was like a very crazy time. And um, it was, it, it really threw me off in my schedule. And I felt, I felt weeks behind. I would keep trying to catch up and I just wasn't catching up. And that was really demotivating at the time because I saw everyone else completing their videos and I was like, I'm not, I'm seriously like five weeks behind right now. And it, and I just could not get the study time in and and do all the work. But once things did calm down a little bit, um, even though it was late in the challenge, I was still like, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I said, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I just spent several days. I had, I had my husband help me with the kids and I just spent several days catching up, going through each of the topics. And it was, it felt good to get back into the routine. And sometimes when other things are demotivating like that and they, they get in the way, whatever you can do to kind of prioritize that time again, even if it is asking for help from somebody or a family member or a friend or, or just prioritizing that that self-care time because language learning is my me time, usually that in the gym. So um, it it is my me time. So when I feel demotivated like that, just going, okay, no, I need to make time for this. This is my self-care time. This is what I want to do because it betters myself and I enjoy it. And I just sat down and I tackled one little thing at a time. So 
you know, I didn't jump all back in and say, oh, I'm going to do, you know, this week's video and that was due this week and then go backwards. Or I, you know, I didn't start at the harder point. I didn't make it more on myself. I just said, okay, the first topic I missed was this, what vocab do I need to know to talk about this? And that's all I did. And then I, as I got back into it, I just took a few days to get everything done and get caught back up. And then it felt really good. I, I, I did it. I ended up completing the challenge, got all the videos done and still had, um, I think my video for the 90 day video ended up being over an hour long because I, I met with my language exchange partner and filmed the whole thing. We talked the whole time in Japanese that time. And, um, I recorded the audio wrong, so I didn't get to upload my 90 day video, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it can help you actually through those hard times if if you just take it and think of it as as your me time and your self care time. So yeah, and I, I like that as well as finding the internal motivation and uh, like you said, remembering that this is something you're doing for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. That you you went to your husband to ask for for support because we we forget that we're not always relying just on our own internal motivations. We have people in our lives who can take a little bit of the burden off, especially if it's during an intensive project that's very important to you and you tell them that, they may be able to give you a helping hand. So, uh, you know, if if people are running low in motivation, they're reaching their challenges, they feel they can't get through it, maybe maybe you can't get through it by yourself, but that doesn't mean you can't get through it. Right. And and there's always there there's almost always someone you can ask for help or to help with different things or or ways to make it easier for yourself. Even even if it's as simple as using Walmart grocery pickup so you don't have to spend the hour in the grocery store. Instead you can spend that time studying and all you have to do is drive up and they put it in your car and you know, you can save yourself that time and you know, asking I, I also ask my mother in law a lot for help with the boys. Um not being afraid to ask for help. That's like the most important thing. I think so many people don't want to ask for help when they need it and they need more time and they need to do things. And that's something that I just got over. And I just, I ask for help all the time. I'm not afraid to say my husband, my in-laws, they help me so much and I'm very blessed. So um, asking for help, that definitely gets you through it. So if you were to come back for another challenge, what language do you think you would study and why? I'd probably go with Korean this time um, because that's my most recent language that I've picked up and I know some phrases and I've, um, I did 90 day Korean for three months, but I would definitely like to um, get a longer conversation in because right now I'm at about like three to five minutes in that one. So um, I, I would like to improve my Korean for sure. Cause that's, that's a natural next step. I feel like from Japanese anyway, the, the grammar is very similar. Um, some of the words are similar or the same. So, um, and I, I enjoy the culture and the TV shows. So <laughs> it makes it, it makes it enjoyable to learn it. <laughs> and what would you say the best surprises that learning a new language like Japanese or Korean has Spanish or Spanish has given you? I think the biggest surprise was that it becomes part of your personality. And I, when I first started studying Japanese a long time ago, I didn't realize that I would start picking up some of the Japanese gestures, like waving your hand in front of your face and, you know, yeah, 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 no, no, no. (laughs) And um, just some of the, the very Japanese mannerisms that you pick up from learning the language. And the same is true for, you know, like Spanish. And when you speak Spanish, 
they're, they're so emotive when they speak. So you naturally start speaking with a lot more enthusiasm or a lot more oomph and, um, it's, it definitely rubs off on you some of those cultural traits. So I, I didn't realize how much Japanese was going to become part of my personality. And, um, my my language exchange partner, Hisako, she she always tells me, you must have been Japanese in a past life because I just click with it. I just get it. And it's because I've been learning it for so long. It's become part of me. And I just didn't, I didn't expect that part. That was surprising. Yeah. Embracing the the culture at that level is is one of the best parts of learning a language. What what are, what would the other high points or the, uh, your favorite moments have been during your challenge, both the um, original challenge you did for Japanese and the advanced one? What were my high points? Mm. Um, I think seeing how far I, I came from day zero to day 90, especially in that first challenge, was the high point. I mean, I I went back and I watched my day zero video and I didn't even realize all the mistakes I had made at the time. I mean, I called, I called my son daughter in that video twice and <laughs> I, I didn't even realize I did it um, until I went back and watched it again. And I, I realized that at the time, yeah, I could, I could speak and people could understand me, but I was making a lot of mistakes. And um, so the highlight of it was when I got to speak during my 90 day video, both times, I was able to understand what Hisko was saying to me so much better. Um, and she could understand me a lot better. And I was able to communicate a lot deeper thoughts, especially during my second 90 day challenge. When I did the advanced challenge, um, I told her all about um, my son's field trip. When I went to the um, local pumpkin patch with him and him climbing on the, climbing on the big haystack and like all these different things that I would never have been able to talk about before. And it, you know, I did do some scripting to prepare for that because I knew I wanted to talk about that time and I knew I wanted, you know, I needed to learn how to say haystack, for instance, but um, it, it came very easy. And after that, I didn't have to rely on scripting so much. I could just start talking and I noticed that I could find my way around what I wanted to say if I didn't know a word specifically and I'd never been able to do that before. So, um, the language really became more natural to me. And even still, if I go through a phase where like, like right now I'm studying Spanish um, primarily. So I'm just focusing on Spanish and learning all the joyo kanji, which are the essential kanji to um, read and write in Japan. And um, even when I'm doing that and I go and meet Hisako, I can still talk my way around things and it still sticks with me. So um, I don't have to rely on like, what am I going to talk about today? And learning those vocab, I can talk my way around it. So that's, that was definitely the, the highlight for me. So do I, I think that's the, the main questions that we wanted to ask, is, isn't it, Shannon? Yep, it is. Thank you so much for joining us, Caitlin, and all of your hard work in the Fluent Three Months Challenge. Yeah, the, the, it's really inspirational to to follow along with your your story, and of course, um, uh, to have one of the the team members to be a part of the very Fluent Three Months Challenge itself is yeah. is always great because uh, we believe in it quite a lot. I mean, it's obviously based on my own multiple Fluent Three Months Challenges, so seeing. How how successful you've been with it has been absolutely amazing. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me and, and chatting with me today. It was fun. Yeah, so um, if people wanted to find your stuff uh, elsewhere, Caitlin, then where should they go? 
So I have my own blog page, um, rebelheartbeauty.com, or um, you can follow me on Instagram, which is at rebel.heart.beauty. So, and I post um, fitness and green living and beauty things on there. Um, and sometimes I talk about language learning too in Japanese. So, Yeah, and as well as all of that, people will find you plenty on the Float in Three Months blog. Yes, yes. Lots of Japanese articles on the Float in Three Months blog. And of course, any links that we've mentioned during this episode, you can find them by visiting the website page for this episode so that you can get all of the video links uh, from Caitlin's challenge, as well as the links to her profile and blog page. Thank you. All right. So um, what can people do, Shannon, if they would like to uh, experience uh, the challenge for themselves? Sure. So if you're interested in having a 50-minute conversation in your new language, you can visit fluentin3months.com and then click the button at the top of the page that says course to find out more and reserve your spot in an upcoming challenge. That's right. So thanks for listening in, everybody. And we'll see you in the next one. And until then, happy language learning. Happy language learning. In this episode, Caitlin mentioned self-care and why it's so important to successful language learning. She offered several ideas for how you can incorporate more self-care into your language routine. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask those around you to help. Meditate. Take some time to clear your mind before you sit down to learn. Pair your language learning with something you already do, like having a cup of coffee. Do something you enjoy and don't get bogged down with the technical aspects of the language. What forms of self-care do you make or would you like to make a part of your language routine? We'd love to hear about them in the comments for this episode over at languagehacking.com seven. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you find this episode valuable, please leave us a review so we can continue to grow and spread the word about language hacking. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.